This is the best, most fun I have ever, ever, ever had on a podcast. This is a hit. I'm Jesse Cole, your host of Business Done Differently, where we get to meet successful people who look at business differently, and we get to know them in a different way. We meet with that one person as though they're the only person on the planet when we're meeting with them. That speaks to presence. If there's one thing, Jesse, that this world is lacking in relationships, it's presence. But I believe you don't learn leadership until you actually experience, until you have people underneath you that you have to take care of every single day. The leadership to me was when, you know, really I couldn't pay myself because I had to make sure our employees got paid. Today's guest is Rob Holman, who's been a lifelong serial entrepreneur. Now he's the CEO of Holman International, a global leadership consultancy, and he's the author of the best-selling book, Lead the Way. And today we're going to talk about leadership differently. Rob, welcome to the show. Jesse, joy to be with you. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Man, our uh, recorded conversation has anything that meets anywhere close to where our pre-recorded conversation goes. Man, we are both in and your listeners are for a big, passionate discussion. Well, the energy is outrageous already to start, but I want to start with fire because fire is a very interesting theme in your book. You running into a brush fire is absolutely crazy. And then you had the great quote in here, light yourself on fire with passion and people will come for miles to watch you burn. Rob, what's firing you up today? If firing up today, man, I would probably have to say my family fires me up. You know, uh, so many people love what they do. And I'm one of those people. I would not want to be doing anything else than what I do, helping leaders, you know, light a fire to them, let, let them be on fire so you can catch other people on fire with passion, desires, purpose, etc. However, for me, watching my wife and my kids uh, do what they love to do and help serve them, help come alongside of them, encourage them, inspire them to do those things. For instance, my son plays the viola and tomorrow is his first kind of concert. I get to actually come to that concert, join with him, encourage him, listen to him, watch him. And there's no greater thing in life for me. So for me, it's the family and the passion and inspiration that they provide for me. Now I can go about what I do day in and day out out of a completely different place, Jesse. But you've almost put them together. See, I think a lot of entrepreneurs, they just focus so much on business and then they have their life. But it sounds like your inspirational message that you're putting out to leaders is also something that you're giving to your family. It, it is. I mean, I, I don't see a separation. I mean, I, I kind of view life... Um, Not as much in categories that you go, well, I put on this hat when I'm at home. Then I go into work. I put on my work hat. Then I go over here. That's tiresome for me. That's unhealthy striving. That's, you know, unhealthy performance kind of stuff. For me, I view my life as one wheel with many spokes. So I am who I am wherever I go. And there's an ease with that. There's an anticipation. There's an expectancy. And I'm free to be myself. I'm not trying to be someone who I'm not, who I've never called or created to be. So for me, it liberates me, whether I'm at home, in the workplace, at a speaking gig, I can just be myself and let the passion and the fire come out. And hopefully at least one catches on fire. You know, I love that. You talk about authenticity in the book and being who you are. But the one thing I really grabbed a hold of was the trap of comparison. Can you go into that? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you this, man. In our culture, Western part of the world culture, dare I say even just uh, worldly culture uh, as a whole, we're all into self-help, self-improvement. And, you know, it's like the good old Humpty Dumpty run, you know. Humpty Dumpty, you know, it's off the wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty Dumpty back together again. You know, that whole 
but here's the thing. I think with a lot of self-help, we're trying to put ourselves back together again. If we're trying to like piece ourselves up, I can just be the next better me. If I could be a little bit more like this person uh, who I met, you know, if I can have their power, their money, their looks, their prestige, their relationships, their influential, this, that. And I'm like, hold on a second. All that energy that you're putting out there trying to be this person or be that person or even trying to be a better you, I'm like, cut that out. What would it look like if you start going from self-help, trying to make yourself into a better you, trying to trying to compare yourself with other people, trying to be more like them? What would happen if you exert that energy, channel that energy into finding the seeds of greatness already that are in you and bring them to life? And I call that self-discovery. And that's the, that epitomizes for me the, uh, what authenticity is truly about. See, I want to deep dive into this because all around us every day, is numbers, how many followers, how many likes, you know, how many comments on your post. Everybody is measuring that because it's an addictive drug. Wherever we see, you'll go to someone's website, what are the first things to say? Been featured on Forbes, been featured on Entrepreneur, been featured on this. Everyone is constantly doing it because they're trying to create credibility and validity to what they do. How do you get away from that, Rob? Because I feel like no matter what, it's becoming more prevalent every single day. Yeah, we gotta make going after the one section there. And here's what I mean by that. If we really invest in the one, the person before us, be present with them. Now, there's some disciplines that, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a big one. We got to discipline ourselves. We got to have awareness of it, have some discipline in going after the one. But when we have awareness and we truly are intentional, consistent, being about the one, the one in front of us, the one meeting we have, not as concerned with the masses, to your point, in the one, we'll reach the thousand. And it's, again, when we start to understand that every human being on the planet has meaning, has purpose, has significance, and we begin to hone in on them as though they are the only, when we meet with that one person, as though they're the only person on the planet when we're meeting with them, that speaks to presence. If there's one thing, Jesse, that this world is lacking in relationships, it's presence. It's, it's you being present with another person. Because people, let's be honest, right? So many people, when you're with people, maybe your, your mind's going to another place. It's, going, it's jumping ahead in the conversation to get across your point. You know, what you think really matters. It's, it's thinking about the next meeting. It's thinking about what you're doing later. And people are pretty smart people. I mean, they can pick up on that, if not by your language, with your body language. You know, and, and we need to be mindful of that. So I think we need to learn and become aware of the importance of going after the one, because when we when we can really focus, hone in on the one and being present with them, now it provides an opportunity to see them empowered. Yeah. And when people are empowered, they begin to have a voice. When they have a voice, they can begin to be a voice for the voiceless. And that's where real movement, real, I mean, real great things begin to happen. Wow. I, I love this. And, and I, I want to stay on this because I think it comes down to slowing things down. You know, you talk about when you're there and you're in a conversation with someone, you're thinking about the next step, the next thing you want to talk about. Everything is moving faster, faster, faster. And I think one thing you talked about was a day all to yourself. Now, where you turn everything off. All right. That sounds amazing. But, but, but how do you do it? All right. Say you're running a company. You've got 30 employees. You're also yeah. traveling. How do you do it? And tell me what this is all about. Yeah, no, that's a great question. Here's the thing. If, if you see value in something, you'll find time to do it. So if I see value, I do see value in taking time for myself, pushing the pause button and taking time to do something on a consistent basis that I enjoy to do away from people. Now you're talking to a guy right here. I'm a type A, 
if you can't tell already. <laughs> I'm very passionate, uh, demonstrative, animated, all these expressive words. But I see value in, in leading myself first, taking time for myself, because I realize that if I take time for myself, and that means getting out of the area uh, on a consistent basis or reading a good book at a local, you know, at a local coffee shop where I just find a hole in the wall mm-hmm. and I know no one's going to find me. And I'll just read a newspaper, read a good book, and I can just, I veg out. And that fills me, you know, that refreshes me, that renews me. So out of that place now, see, we can only give what we receive. You can only give what you got. Mm-hmm. And sadly, so many people, so many leaders are giving out of a place where they're running on fumes. Mm-hmm. So if, if I see value in filling myself up, doing things that bring refreshment, bring me joy, bring, you know, bring me rest. And if I see value in it, I'm actually going to carve out time in my schedule as though spending time by myself, bringing refreshment is my greatest and largest client. Mm. And when I begin to do that, I'm not only valuing myself, I'm valuing those that I get a chance to spend time with because I'm giving out of the right place. I'm, bringing, I'm giving out of a, a place of fullness, out of joy, out of peace, out of rest. And so I've just found if you want to be vibrant and, and, and reach people for years to come, You've got to take care of yourself first. Yeah, 100%. I never thought I would do this, Rob. This is the first time. I'm actually going to slow you down for a second. Please, right? this please. Crazy. You, you talk about the rest and, and recovery and you, to take a day to yourself. Really, what does that look like? I mean, in your schedule, let's get really practical here. Yeah. Do, do you give yourself white space every day? Do you do one day a month where you literally turn everything off? Like you mentioned, explain to me what you did. Yeah, so I love to, uh, on a yearly annual basis, just take a day to myself. And that can be going to a local, we have a beautiful, like, uh, it's called Longwood Gardens, beautiful gardens. I'll take a day to myself and just go there just to be, walk around, enjoy the scenery, enjoy the smell, the fragrance, etc. So I think it starts by setting the stage and saying, let's take a look at a year out, like just take a day all to yourself. And I do that. And then I break it down because everything needs to be broken down into bite-sized pieces. And so then I break down the quarterly basis. And what does it actually look like for me to spend a half day on a quarterly basis just to myself? And then I look and say, okay, so weekly, you know, let's take a time. And then I break it daily. You know, Jesse, for me, it is so important. Every day that I get up, the first thing that I do is I, I, I give thanks. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think very, and, and some mornings it's 10 minutes. And I kid you not, some mornings it breaks into about an hour. Mm-hmm. And my family participates in this time as well. My young children, my wife, and I wake up every day before I'm bombarded with the emails, the voicemails, the news, all the, all the, you know, in large part, a lot of it's negativity, sadly. And I said, I don't want the world to dictate my day for me. I want to actually take the bull by the horns and uh, be in control of what my day is going to look like, the perspective that I have and I can have. And so that actually starts every day simply with as soon as I wake up, I'm going to think through the things most specifically that I'm grateful for. So what you're hearing me say is, you know, there's a framework. Mm-hmm. On, a, on an annual basis, take a day. Quarterly, take a half day. You can break it monthly, weekly, and even daily in bite-sized pieces and taking, again, whether it be 10 minutes by yourself or it be an hour. Mm-hmm. But that time alone is so invaluable. I love that. Start your day on purpose. And I think it sounds yeah. like with your family, so just all go around and talk about things that you're grateful for. We, we do, you know, and depending on the age of the kids, it's so funny the answers to that. You know, my <laughs> uh, young age, it's Barney. I'm thankful for Barney, you know. 
you know, it doesn't matter. I, I just try to encourage people, try to be as specific as you can. Now, this is cool because our family tries to be very creative in the process because a lot of people could listen. They're like, okay, Rob. So you do the same thing every day. Like, what are the top 10 things you're thankful for? Don't you kind of get in the unhealthy rhythm or routine of just kind of saying the same things? Well, what we do as a family, too, we, we, we act it out sometimes. And this is in the morning. And first things first. We can we act it out. We can draw. All right, we wait, can wait, wait, you say. You act it out. Explain to me what this. Oh is. yeah. So so all of a sudden now, let's say my kids start to trickle down the steps. I'm an early riser, so I'll get up around five thirty. I start the day off just by myself down there. Grab a cup of coffee. I'm starting to think through. I'm starting to uh, meditate upon the things that I'm specifically grateful for. My son starts coming down a few minutes later. My other kids, my wife, and next thing you know, some mornings I'm like, okay, guys. So why don't we do this? We're going to play a little charades. And what is something very specifically you're thankful for? Something that happened yesterday? Something that actually you believe will happen even today? And I want you to not say anything, but I want you to just use your acting skills and see if we can guess as a family of the very specific thing that you're grateful for. Oh, uh, yeah. And, and then we can guess. What do your kids do? What were some of these examples? Oh, my goodness. So I'll give you an example. So when there's snow on the ground, you know, we live in the greater Philadelphia area. Uh, and let's say, you know, one time it you know, snowed. We always had a lot of snow in the winter. So it snowed not too long ago. And one of my kids is like, act as though they have a shovel. And they're going like this on the ground because they were helping shovel out the snow. And, and, and we're like, we're saying, you're thankful for, uh, you know, who knows, like a tool or you're thankful. And we're all taking guesses. Oh, hold on. And then, and then all of a sudden they go from this like shoveling into they're using their hands in the air and like acting as though like snow's coming down on Wow. And we're like, oh, you're thankful for the snow that came yesterday. Yeah, yeah. So all of a sudden, when you're grateful, whether you act it out, whether you say it, whether you, you know, whatever the case may be, write it down. Now, this is how you have an opportunity, that we have an opportunity to start our day. And problems come. You know, life happens. But it's now out of this uh, perspective of gratitude that you begin to tackle those problems, those challenges throughout the day. And it's pretty wild what happens. Love it. Love it. Begin every day in gratitude. Love it. All right, uh, Rob, I want to go into leadership now, like really. And even though gratitude, that is a big part of leadership. I want to share quickly my story on leadership because I think you're going to appreciate this. So I went to college to play baseball. Literally, I went through all the majors and I was like, none of them interest me. I was like, all right, I'll do business. And business econ included like two calculus classes, a microeconomics class, a math. I was like, what does calculus have to do with business? So literally, I dropped that. And I went to my advisors. I'm like, I'm not interested in anything. And they were like, I'm like, I want to learn more about leadership. And they're like, well, we don't have a leadership major. And I looked, I was like, well, what is humanities? They're like, oh, no one's ever done that. I go, no one? They go, no one's ever done that. I go, what does it mean? And they said, well, you develop your own major and you study an interest that you want. Then you do a capstone project. You can do a documentary film. And I was like, I want to study leadership. And so they were like, Okay. So I wrote this whole curriculum and did this, you know, personal independent study, the only humanities leadership major ever at Wofford College. But what, wow. they, what they said was, you know what, you'll study it, but you're really not going to learn a lot. I go, what do you mean? What do you mean study and don't learn? And in the weird way, I studied everything from John Maxwell. I studied leadership yeah. in government. I studied coaching leadership. I studied so much. And I walked down and I was like, you know, that was a good project. But I believe you don't learn leadership until you actually experience, until you have people underneath mm. you that you have to take care of every single day. The leadership to me was when, you know, really I couldn't pay myself because I had to make sure our employees got paid and dealing with challenges and trying to take care of people. So now that you've become a, a leadership expert and you've really put it yeah. in your DNA, 
You know, yeah. how do you build that? And, you know, what inside out leadership, just share your story and how that's become a passion for you. Yeah. So here's what I realized. It's me, I'm what probably people call serial entrepreneurs. So there are nine different organizations in over 20 years, some nonprofit, some for profit. And here's what I've discovered. There's research to back it up that uh, the average team member, employee, they're just not passionate and purposeful in what they do nine to five. They're just, they're just not as much. There's, there's an engagement gap. People are disengaged, bottom line. But here's even more troubling to me, Jesse. It, the, the people, uh, the leaders of those individuals, the business owner, the entrepreneur, the manager, the, the team leader, whatever the case may be, about 80% of them are disengaged. And, and you think, hold on, the leaders are disengaged too? So if, they, if, if 90%, nearly 90% of the average worker, worker B team member is disengaged, and then the, their leaders, uh, nearly 80% are disengaged, there's a major problem there. And what I found is, you know, obviously leaders that are part of that, part of the statistics, they know that there's a problem, but what they're throwing at that problem are what I consider like outside techniques and strategies, you know, motivational kind of things to become a better leader. Like if I just try this technique, this motivational technique, it's going to help them, you know, become a little better or energize them a little bit more. And that stuff's not all bad. I just think there's a better way. Instead of going from the outside trying to get into the heart or the mind of the worker to motivate them, why not begin in the heart or the mind of the actual worker and have it work itself out? And so for me, as I've led different people in different environments, atmospheres, businesses, I love to focus on the individual. Like for me, I, I want to become best friends with, with my team members. I want, to, I want to still get to know what makes them uh, tick, what makes them come alive, what energizes them. I want to get to know their life journey, the good, the bad, the ugly that has gotten them to where they are today uh, you know, on the team with me. Because now, as we get to know each other as human beings, we're going to be that much more productive as we go about our work. And so I just think that, for me, what I've found is that it's empowering for me. They've said, and the feedback I've got is very empowering for them. So I, I'm not afraid to make my team members, my employees, uh, some of my best friends. Yeah, and I think that's, we talk about all the time, people are afraid to say friends or make it a family or use the word love. You know, I say it all the time, love your customers more than you love your product, but love your employees more than you love uh, your customers. Brother, that is huge. You know, I'll never forget one of the first businesses that I started years ago. And we were legalizing the business and going through the whole legal route. And I remember our attorney, who's a good friend of mine, he goes, just want to make sure, you know, and, and this was this was a family business. So my brother, my brother and I went the business together. And he goes, just be careful because statistics say that family businesses uh, are going to go under a whole lot faster than business, you know, when you go into business with someone who's not a family member. And I thought to myself, as a person in my 20s at the time, I'm thinking, if you can't work with your family, who the heck can you work with? <laughs> I mean, if you can't work with your good friends, who can you work with? So for me, because when you have genuine relationship and friendship, yeah, of course, there's always going to be some level of dysfunction. No person's perfect. No relationship's perfect. But when there's a good health to that relationship and you're really committed in that uh, friendship relationship in business, now trust is built slowly but surely. And it's fostered. And if we don't have trust, we don't have anything. But when we begin to build and foster trust in it through friendship of relationship, now we can begin to climb the mountain again. It's pretty cool. Well, what's so interesting to me is that with a family member, if all of a sudden you get a call and your family member is across the country and they're sick, what do you do? You get on a plane and you head over there. You'll do anything for family members. But in business, 
if something happens to one of your employees, what will you do? And I, I just want to get over this. And I, I guess I want to dive a little bit more. What is yeah. the problem? Why are people so scared of saying, yeah. it's going to be like a family. I'm going to build this. Because I mean, you're working with organizations. Tell me yeah. what you've seen. Yeah. Now, listen, my trials have taken me uh, to the Middle East, to the Eastern part of the world. And of course, I live in the Western part of the world, the United States. In the, you know, both have beautiful aspects to how they are. But I think in the West, we can learn a lot from the East. And here's what I mean by that. In the East... They think of things very holistically. You know, when they have a business meeting, they typically take, uh, you know, an extended lunch. I'm talking like three to four hour meeting, and it's usually over a, a long meal. Over here, you got someone in the schedule for 45 minutes, and that's it. You kick them out of the room. I mean, I'm being a little funny. Or, or, you have, it, or you have lunch in the office very quickly for 10 minutes and move on. And move on. Yeah. So here's what I think. Here's what I think the problem is, Jesse. I think in the West, we put form before function. And we want to build things, and we try to cross and teach processes and systems, and we don't want to do a great job of that many times, but we try to, it's like form, and then we try to shove relationship and function into the form, and it just ain't working. See, in the East, which I so appreciate and honor, they put function before form. In other words, they put relationship, hmm. the communal aspect of living first, and out of that place, things begin to happen from the inside out. They, you know, based on relationship and vibrancy and authenticity, thinking of things more holistically, not as black and white, but a lot of dotted lines, how things flow together, how there's a rhythm, how there's a meaning, how there's a purpose. And then they wrap their arms, when there's movement out of that place, they, they wrap their arms around what's happening and try to facilitate the growth. No, I love that. I want to know, like, you know, dive into this. What, either with your companies that you've had or some of these companies, you know, even out east, you know, what are some exact like examples that you've seen to build this this trust, this family, this type of relationship? I mean, are there examples that you've seen they're doing things like, why are we all doing this? Absolutely. You know, here's here's one example. I I had a, an organization um, years ago that was a, a network, a community organization that brought in churches, uh, business leaders, humanitarian philanthropy leaders that would come together. And around a, a, uh, a humanitarian project uh, somewhere in the world. So whether it be Afghanistan, whether it be Senegal, Africa. And what we did was we put our differences aside and we got to know each other as people, not even as leaders, not the title. So we would literally facilitate gatherings where we got these individuals in a room that led these various organizations. And we were a network. We want to bring people together uh, and have a collaborative, a collaborative kind of a time where we would just get to know each other as human beings and, and learn, like, why do you think that way? Where do you come from? What's your life journey been like? And we would just practice a lot of active listening. Wait. And then out of that place, Jesse, it's like our hearts would begin to be uh, meshed together, not based on our title or role or even our responsibilities, as important as those things are could, can be. But based on real human beings, out of that place then, our, we started to work on projects around the world. And there was like, our heart was engaged now. Yeah, and now, now us rallying people uh, financially and to put in time for these various projects all around the world, it wasn't hard work. Because it, it was out of a deep place of getting to know one another based on authentic relationships at the core. So pretty neat stuff. Connect on who you are and not on what you do. 
That's it. That's it. You shared that a lot. So, I mean, let's, I'm digging right now. So, you got a company, like, as far as we have 20 employees, you know, we take take our people out to lunch individually and try to get to know them. But what other things, you know, if you're trying to say, how can we do it other than, like, you know, all right, time for a team building example, you know, what, what, what are some things that we can kind of talk through this that I think some of the entrepreneurs listening say, you know what? I'm going to connect with people, not in a work environment, but more in a fun environment to get to know them. Do you have any ideas? Yeah, I think I think one thing. This is going to sound really simple. I'm a simple dude, man, and I think some of the most greatest ideas come with simplicity. So simple that like a child can grasp it. And I think for any you know any leaders that are listening, spend one to one time with your people and get to know them personally. You know, even I know a lot of leaders that get to they take out members of the team on a one to one basis, but it's more work related. Yeah. Like, I want to tell you the things you're doing good, the things you need to improve on. And again, that, that only – but how about just like on a monthly basis, just going out with uh, – on a one-to-one basis. Again, it, it, it's about making – going after the one sexy again. But – Wait, what present, sexy? Explain that to me again. Yeah. So again, in our culture, Western culture, it's about the crowds. It's about the team. It's about the environment. It's about the rah-rah. We feel good when we're around our entire team. We feel good when we're around crowds of people because we feel like we are – making a difference because of the, the buzz in the room, so to speak. And I'm here to say, I'm not against that stuff, I think there's a place for it. But going after the one, that one team member that you take out to launch and you just get to know them, be more committed to get to know them intentionally, consistently um, as a person, as a human being. Yeah. Now, you, you're saying to them by your actions that I'm, I'm special, like – like, wow, you would take me out to try to really get to know me better as a human being, what makes me tick, what makes me come alive, without even a motivation, that, you know, like, so I better perform. Just simply with no strings attached, like, get to know this human being yeah. and get to know them as a person. And when we begin to do that, as we talked about a few minutes back, now all of a sudden they feel um, validated, they feel encouraged, they feel affirmed as a human being. 100%. And then when they go about their work as a natural byproduct, they're just going to be more productive. And so, so for me, I just find that when we can go about spending time with individuals on the team, man, it's just, it makes a huge difference. Now, I will speak to team too. What I found too, to uh, have fun. Remember I talked about gratitude not too long ago? Yes. I have had teams create like a gratitude wall in their place of business. Or whatever they want to do. If they have like a, a business where they meet, a co-working space where they meet, have a gratitude wall. Like when you come in every day, everyone gets a different color sticky note. And like if you're Jane, you're red for the week. And you're Bill, you got yellow. If you're what and as soon as you come in, as soon as you have a team meeting or whatever the case is, what are you most what are the five things you're most grateful for about this team? Yeah. About this day. And put them on the wall. And before long you've got this whole wall by the end of the week filled. With different team members posting what they are most grateful for about one another, about the business, and about life. And that's when things get really uh, creative. Yep, I love that. And I think a great challenge for entrepreneurs, take your people out to lunch, but don't talk about business. So, I mean, the reality is, it, make it force yourself. Because I think a lot of people be like, I won't be able to do this because we'll talk about what they're doing in business. Because you think about it, it could be the most awkward 30-minute lunch ever, <laughs> but you got to be comfortable being uncomfortable if you want to grow. So we take our people out to lunch, but they want to start talking about work because they want to ask questions and learn. But say, hey, let's not talk about work. Let's just talk about our lives. And maybe that's where you develop. So I'm going to take that. And hopefully, entrepreneurs can take that as well. It, Rob, yeah. it is time for our first game. You ready for this? Let's do it, man. All right. This is Business Jeopardy, the Leadership Quote Edition. 
Okay. So you have to answer with who is this person that gave that quote. So some of them, uh, the people you have in your book, but not the same quotes. Here are some of the potential candidates. John Wooden, JFK, Jack Welch, Eleanor Roosevelt, John Maxwell, Simon Sinek, Sheryl Sandberg, and John Quincy Adams. You ready? All right. Leadership and learning are indispensable to each other. I would say John Maxwell. You got to answer with a question. You've already lost, Rob. You got to go <laughs> the rules. This is business jeopardy. <laughs> uh, who is John Maxwell? Wrong. All right. <laughs> I'm off to embrace sarcasm. Amen. Amen. Uh, who is JFK? Here we go. Here's the next one. Yeah. Before you are a leader, success is all about growing yourself. When you become a leader, success is all about growing others. Who is John Wooden? Ooh, close. Who is Jack Welch? All right, you have the J. All right, there we go. Uh, I was feeling really good about myself until this uh, exercise. Yeah, well, let's just have gratitude you're able to play this game. All right, here we go. (laughs) You're 0 for 2. Next, this one is uh, one of the most popular leaders right now. There's a clue. The true value of a leader is not measured by the work they do. A leader's true value is measured by the work they inspire others to do. Who is Simon Sinek? Boom! Yes, you are on the board. One for one. All right, here we go. The most powerful tool you have is your own personal example. I would have to say, who is Rob Holman? <laughs> <laughs> if you were John Wooden previously, yes, that would be there. All right, that's a good one. All right, we got a few more because we're having fun with this. All right. All right. A good leader inspires people to have confidence in the leader. A great leader inspires others to have confidence in themselves. Who is John Maxwell? Who is Eleanor, Eleanor Roosevelt? All right. Ah. Yep. Uh, last two here. And I'll give you a clue. This may have been a present. All right. If your actions inspire others to dream more, to learn more, to do more, and become more, you are a leader. Who is Jeff Ken? Who is John Quincy Adams? I gave you all right, that was Oh, John, Jay, you're, you're setting me up for the whole <laughs> run for the knocking out of the park. I think. All right. Remember the females I mentioned before, okay? I, don't, I already forget them, Jesse. That's the problem. All right. Well, we, we got to slow things down and try to be in the moment. We talked about this, Rob. I right? know. All right. I... <laughs> Leadership. All right. This person's with Facebook. There's a clue. All right. Wow. Leadership is about making others better in your presence and making sure that impact lasts in your absence. Oof. Female, Facebook. Facebook. Cy Who is Cy Oh, that She's good, too. But who is Sheryl Sandberg? Sheryl Sandberg. Ah. See? Hey, do you know what I am thankful for? What's that? That people like you are in my life to ask me tough questions <laughs> and to keep me humble. Good. One out of seven. So we can always improve on that. But I think that's, I think that's pretty hard. All right. So uh, that's, you did not survive that round, but we will move no. on. <laughs> Good. Good. All right. I want to go into the Find Your Yellow Tux lightning rounds. Now, Find Your Yellow Tux, my book, How to Be Successful by Standing Out. So the first question is a mirror moment. And I believe everyone has some time in their life where they have something frustrated them and they had to change paths and they had to look at what they were doing and, you know, take a different path with that. What was something that happened to you? What was that mirror moment? Yeah, a mirror moment would have to be when I, speaking of comparisons, I used to compare myself years ago with another speaker and I would emulate them. This was completely unhealthy though. I would emulate them. I try to sound like them. I try to be them. And it led to a point, a breaking point I'll never forget after I tossed some more platform speaking opportunity and I was on the drive home and I said, I sounded much more like them than I did myself. Mm. And in the depth of my heart, I knew that something had to change. And from that point forward, in process, I was like, I was committed to truly get to know myself 
uh, as a speaker? Like, how do I communicate? How do I provide illustrations? How do I make people laugh? And it was one of those humbling moments, Jesse, that I was like, from that point forward, I was like, I'm going to really embrace who I am as a speaker that's been, um, yeah, created very uniquely and significantly so I can shout to the world the message of my heart. Be you, baby. I love it. Love it. Yeah. All right. Small bets. What are some of the best small bets that you've made in growing your business? Yeah, small bets. I would probably say the best small bets is, um, you know, in investing, taking time years ago to invest in, um, in people over the things that I do. Um, and, you know, honestly, and I can remember, you know, just taking the time that's necessary to put other things aside and to make a bet with myself that I believe that's going to pay off. If I take time with the person that's in my midst that works for me, that uh, strategically align with me, take the time that's necessary to spend time with them, encouraging them, being focused and present on who they are above all else, that I believe that here's the bet that I, I believe that in time, the stuff will get done. And sure enough, in time, let that pay off. So the small bet was more investing your time and energy yeah. with people. As Okay. That's, that's right. All right. This last one. Hello world moment. I love this. You know, big PT Barnum fan. And I've noticed when you create attention, it makes everything else easier. Coming from the guy in the yellow tuxedo. But also, <laughs> but also when we named our team the Savannah Bananas, everything changed. So people are like, who are these guys naming themselves after yeah. a fruit? What moment created the most attention for your brand and business? Yeah, I would say that I would say for me, the first trip that I took uh, into the Middle East when I went to Afghanistan and I went back in 2007 and I went to serve the leaders in uh, various you know, private and public universities over there with my inside out leadership message. And at the time, you know, I, I studied, I researched about that region of the world and how receptive they were. And also, I positioned myself to be more of a student than I was a teacher and going over there to learn from them. But there's no doubt it did something in me in spending time with uh, leaders that would eventually go into every uh, fabric and aspect of society. And I got to say this, Jesse, it impacted uh, me as a person and as a leader probably uh, out of any other time in my life. And for that, I'm really grateful. That's great. And it created your story too, now, which is it's, very important. To tell yep. Excellent. All right, Rob, final rounds here. It is now time for Flip the Script, where you yep. become the host of Business Done Differently, and you can ask me any question you want. Yay! Put Jess on the hot seat. <laughs> I love it. All right, so if you were to wear any other uh, color tuxedo, what would it be and why? <laughs> you know, it's funny. 90% of the questions are always about the yellow tuxedo. I guess, I but this, this one's different. What other color would I wear? Uh-huh. All right. I wouldn't choose. You're wearing red right now. I wouldn't choose red. Here's why. Because I feel like red is stock. So I would wear bright green to say, go, go, go. All right. So that's what I would do. I like the brightness. And I would wear something green, encouraging people to keep going and just start, never stop. So that's what I would wear. I love it. What is something? Yeah, you're breaking the rules. Now you're breaking the rules, Rob. But I'll give you one more question. Yeah. So good. Thank you. I see. I love. I'm I'm around like I said. Break the rules. And now I, 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 even though I can't physically see you right now, I know that you're beginning to sweat. All right. So here, here's a follow-up question. Who would you say is the most influential person right now in your life? You know, that, that's a good question. I would think that most people in business would maybe say a business mentor. And mm-hmm. I could very easily say, you know, I've read everything on Walt Disney, P.T. Barnum, and Bill Beck. And now Brian Chesky and Simon Sinek, I follow them uh, completely. But mm-hmm. um, 
100% my wife. There's yeah. no question because the support every single day and the encouragement and the positivity, um, there's no bigger influence and mentor in my life than my wife. So how do you feel the same way? I, I do. Yeah, my wife is my biggest uh, support. My She's a rock. I mean, Jesse, I mean, let's be honest. With personalities like ours, <laughs> it takes a special person. Man. You need help. Yeah. I, honestly, and I, I can speak for my wife. I, I, uh, I am, yeah, you're a true extrovert. Extrovert of extroverts, man. And my wife is an introvert, and she loves me just as I am. Yes. And she, you know, when things might, challenges come or whatever, she'll look into my eyes and say, hey, Rob, you can not only do this, you're going to do this. I love it. And that's all it takes for me. You know, when loved ones like our spouses, they come alongside of us and speak that kind of language, man, that hits us at the core. And we know we can do pretty much anything. You know what's amazing? Sometimes our wives believe in us more than even we do, which is crazy. That's um, true. It, it that's goes true. a long way. Excellent. All right. I want to go into question time. You know, yeah. I feel like if you want to ask, get better answers in business, you need to ask better questions. And what are, what are some things you're curious about? What are some of the best questions you're asking these days? Yeah. What? Why are you here today? Like, why, at the end of the day, why do you exist? Purpose, yeah. I'd love, to, I'd love to ask that number one. And then I even take that a step further. Who are you? Yeah. Because I'm a firm believer if you truly want to get to know why you exist, your personal purpose on this planet that's different than seven and a half billion people on the earth, you got to know who you are. Mm. And isn't that interesting that we oftentimes at cocktail parties, networking meetings, all these different things, the number one question we're asked, at least in the West, yeah. is what do you do? Okay. And we get so accustomed to what we do and we let that define who we are as opposed to truly understanding and embracing who we are and then how that feeds into why we exist. 100%. And then you're defined more by your success if you answer what you do. You're not just defined about actually what you mean, what you care about, what your purpose is, which is much more impactful than necessarily you know, making more money or having a nicer job. You that's know, that's right. So I'd love to ask, you know, why, why do you exist? Who, who are you? And then I think another thing too, is what is your number one challenge in this season of your life? Love that. Love that. You know what, Rob? I would love to be at like, yeah, like I said, a cocktail party and this guy comes over in a red shirt <laughs> and says, hey, nice to meet you. Why do you exist? <laughs> yeah, can you imagine that? Yeah, yeah. The deer, deer in the headlines uh, might be a little bit more in the picture there. So I, I, I try, try to use another drink. When I go, yeah. it's, it's, it's crazy. I try to use a little bit more common language and kind of bridge the gap in conversation before I just kind of hit, boom, yeah. hit them with that. But uh, uh, it would be interesting. Great. All right. A few more quick questions here. Tool time. Uh, What's the most important tool you have in your business toolbox? I would say good listening ears. A pair of good listening ears, active listening for me is absolutely invaluable. Oh, that's great. It's so important with coaching too. A lot of coaches want to tell you how it is and they don't want to listen to what the real problem is. That's uh, right. That's All right. Now that's what I call service. I'm huge into this. Fans First Entertainment's the name of our company. We think everything about service. You know, what are some of the best customer service experiences you've had in your life? Yeah, I would say, you know, there's, there's people that, um, that, I'll give you an example. I, you know, who does a TV shop nowadays, right? I mean, you know, there's, there's good TV salespeople and there's not so good TV salespeople. I was in 
to a Best Buy not too long ago, uh, Hunting for a TV. And there was an individual that came up and to me, very friendly, made sure to go completely out of their way, asking me just, didn't bombard me with questions, wasn't too salesy. You could tell they were genuinely interested in me as a person. There was a genuine interest. And I could tell right, I could tell right away they weren't trying to push something on me. And then what they did was, they, after they, you know, just asked a couple of really simple questions, didn't bombard me. Um, they said, "Hey, listen, we're gonna be, we're gonna be, I'm gonna be right over here. If any time, just let me know." This is gonna sound kind of funny. Maybe this is people are used to Best Buy and other people just these general practices that companies have. But there was a sincerity in this salesperson's uh, voice and heart, and, and, and just asking me a couple simple things, and then letting me know where they were gonna be. And then I could go at my own leisure and go about searching the products, searching certain things. And then when I had a question, more specifically, that I could address myself, I knew where they were. And I could go to them to ask them. And I was like, okay, well, I like this. Because number one, this person is being genuine and, and just connection with me. Number one, they're not being pushy. They don't have a, a hidden agenda per se. At least I didn't feel like they did. And secondly, they gave me space. And they gave me space to wander, to look, to spend time by myself, only to know where they were if I ever needed their help. Well, people, and to, yeah, I was just say, people like to buy; they don't like to be sold. There you go. So I think, it, yeah, I think it just had all the all the good qualities that make up a, a great kind of a customer uh, uh, service experience. And at the end of the day, I was able to buy a good TV and they were able to help in the process and it was a win-win all the way. Well, let's be honest. They needed you because more people now are buying TVs off Amazon and online and they're buying. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to do it. Good have this customer. So, uh, yes. yeah, that's great. That's great. Yeah. All right. Final two segments, favorites and then the final four. What's the favorite part of your morning routine? And I may already know this answer. I think I should have you answer this. Now. There's no doubt it is intentional time of gratitude. And, uh, and again, as I shared earlier, so much comes out of that, just so much life and encouragement. And I go about my day at an intentional time of gratitude with uh, a higher perspective. And when you have a higher perspective uh, and you go about your day, you're going to be much more grateful for the little things during the course of your day. And it, it, it breaks the levees down in your life. And before long, you're looking for the good in every situation, whether it's difficult, whether it's uh, uh, something of great blessing. And uh, it's, it's amazing. That's awesome. Favorite way to unwind at the end of the day? Favorite way to unwind would have to be just spending good quality time with my family. Love it. And, and literally, you know, having my young kiddos on the couch with me and my wife and I uh, connecting with them, just asking them about how their school day was, uh, talking to my wife, who's a physical therapist, how her job was that particular day, just really sharing your life together and the ins and outs, the good, the bad of any particular day. For me, that's, uh, yeah, very life-giving and helps me really unwind well. Favorite book that stands out? Favorite book that stands out? I would probably have to say, uh, you know, Simon Sinek, I'm a big fan of his as well. Um, yeah, I would probably say Eater, Leaders Eat Last would probably be a really good one. Um, he's written a lot of good, a lot of good books, but Leaders Eat Last and how you could uh, live a life of servant leadership and really getting under and coming alongside of people in your sphere of influence and learning to, to love and lead them well. I love events. So what's the favorite either event or concert or something that you went to that you won't forget? Oh, man. 
Favorite concert or event that I will never forget. Oh, come on. I'm going to date myself, but this is my first music concert ever. And it was Huey Lewis and the News. Wow, the power of love. Come on. (laughs) This was back in the 80s when Huey Lewis and the News was, I mean, they were big hit. And I'll never forget, Jesse, I was, I want to say maybe sixth grade. So I was maybe around 12 years old. And that concert environment, they were one of the biggest kind of bands and rockers back in the day. And I was like standing on my chair because I couldn't see, you know, unless I stood on my chair along with everyone else. And just the feeling and the emotions and singing the songs as a, as a, as a young kid still stays true today. It's pretty cool. Love it. All right. Now, favorite magic moment. So a moment you'll never forget in your life. Yeah. I would say for me, I was diagnosed um, with one undiagnosed for about a month and a half, but I had a tumor in my abdomen when I was age 21, my senior year of college. Doctors were not ruling out cancer. Again, it went undiagnosed for nearly a month. I had CAT scans, MRIs, ultrasounds. They did not, they didn't know what it was. The mass, the tumor was so unusual. So I go in for a college basketball physical, age 21. It's supposed to be the best year of my life. Now I'm struggling with this physical problem. And um, man, I, I got to say, what I'm about to share with you completely radically changed my life, my perspective on my life. I go in to see this ultrasound specialist at UPenn Hospital in Philadelphia, who I had not seen previously. And they check me out. And this time is to be different than any other test I've ever gotten done before. Uh, they said now, they could not explain why or how, but now I had absolutely nothing. I, it was literally a modern-day miracle that the doctors to this day can not even explain or figure out. I came in with a tumor in my abdomen. I left without a tumor in my abdomen. And little did anyone know at the time, little did I know, purpose for me leading up to that point was going out with the guys and drinking, was winning the next basketball game, doing the best I possibly can on college tests, you know, but coming out of this, this amazing experience, I was asking a whole different set of questions. Why am I alive? What are the things that I've been created to do that are apart from everyone else on planet earth? And little did I know that over 20 years later, I actually helped leaders and executives discover their personal purpose and see that infused in what they do day in and down in the workplace. It's obvious. Some things happen for a reason. Wow, that's yeah. great. All right, final four here. What have you done to stand out in business and in life? Man, I would say just live a passionate, live a passionate life. You know, just I'm a, I'm a firm believer. I'm under the strong conviction that when you uh, live a passionate life, you're going to catch other people on fire, and they're going to begin to live more passionate lives too. So I would say live a passionate life. I love it. Let's go a little further. What advice would you give to someone to stand out in business and life? Yeah, what advice? I would say live a life, which we already talked about, live a life of gratitude. I mean, I'm just going to keep beating that drum. The more that you can have a good and healthy and positive perspective on yourself, on others, and on this world, it changes. It begins to change everything slowly but surely. Your outlook, regardless of what life throws at you. So live a life of intentional gratitude. That's great. Best advice that you've ever received? You can only give what you got. So... Put yourself in a position, a student's heart, a student's mind to receive. Receive people that live a joyous life, receive from them. Receive from uh, people that live a peace-filled life, receive from them. A passionate life, receive from them. Because the more that you receive the good things in life, the more of those awesome, powerful, intimate uh, things you can give away to other people. So you can only give what you got. Awesome. And finally, Rob, how do you want to be remembered? I want to be remembered. 
as an individual who lived a life on purpose and also helped other people discover or rediscover why they why they exist on the planet. That's it. Amazing. Well, we received a lot from you today, Rob. I can't thank you enough for being on the Business Done Differently show. I think other than the Business Jeopardy, which I would say you... Uh, <laughs> let's put let's put Dude, I bring that up again. Of course. <laughs> you came in second. We'll say you came in second. You know, it's funny. I used to... My grandmother used to always call and ask how we did during games. And I would always yeah. say, we came in second. She goes, oh, that's great. And she goes, how many teams were there? I go, there were two. <laughs> Yo, this is bringing back memories because I was on the first commercial ever for Double Dare, which is a big game show back in the 80s. Yes. Yeah, I did the first commercial for them ever. So when you had me on Jeopardy, it was bringing flashbacks. However, I was a little bit more successful in the commercial Double Dare than I was in your Jeopardy show. So, but, but nonetheless, I thoroughly enjoyed it. <laughs> well, you've now actually influenced me. I may be putting Double Dare as one of the segments into the show in tribute to you, Rob. So, <laughs> Well, how can people learn more and connect with you? Yeah. So I would say probably two ways. One is just my personal website, which is robholman.com. Rob with two Bs and then Holman, H-O-L-M-A-N, robholman.com. And then for stuff about my new book, uh, Lead the Way, go to leadthewaybook.com. Outstanding. It's a great book. Read it in one sitting, Rob. So it was the real deal. It's a short book, but it has a lot of great messages. And thank you again for sharing your time, sharing your wisdom with us. And uh, good luck with everything you're on with. Hey, man, thanks so much. I appreciate your heart and your passion and uh, you being a leader of leading so many other people into leading a life of uh, purpose and, and on mission. So thanks for all the work you do, Jesse. And I look forward to the next time. Thanks a lot, Rob. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to Business Done Differently. Our goal is simple, to inspire you to think different, have fun, and stand out in business and in life. For more ways you can stand out in your business, visit findyouryellowtux.com and you can get the Yellow Tux Handbook for free with the six steps to stand out directly from the Find Your Yellow Tux book. Finally, a big shout out to Podcast Pilot for producing the show and making all the magic happen. For questions, ideas, and feedback, I'd love to hear from you. So shoot a note to jesse at findyouryellowtux.com. Until next time, stop standing still, start standing out. Thank you.